0: Let's take a little time and talk now About the state that we are living in mm. Political spiritual, maybe some laughs While you are listening to Phyllis Faber yeah.
1: Hey, Philly Saver listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. Now, I want to first, I have to say this, this is an obligation on my part. Uh, today is January the 9th, and January the 9th has a great significance uh, to the several hundred thousand men uh, that have come through, uh, that have lived here in these United States, because January the 9th uh, in 1914 was the founding of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, the greatest fraternity uh, ever in the history of the world. Uh, So I want to wish all of my brothers of Phi Beta Sigma uh, in Philadelphia and across the land uh, a very happy Founders' Day. Uh, I had the great privilege and honor of serving as the international president of Phi Beta Sigma when we celebrated our centennial. As a matter of fact, I was elected international president right at the Marriott over on 12th uh, and Arch, right here in the city of Philadelphia in 2013. So Sigma runs deep within me. Uh, I'm blue and white till the day I died. So again, happy Founders Day uh, to my brothers of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. But let's talk about something uh, very important on this second Sunday in January. In 2020, 1.1 million guns were purchased uh in in philadelphia that was 49 percent more than in 2019 over the last decade listen to me over the last decade gun violence has increased homicides by gun violence have increased by 12 percent state legislators trying to do something about this scourge of gun violence look at 2021 544 murders by guns, 1,785 non-lethal shootings in the city of Philadelphia. Last week, we talked to City Council Member Kenyatta Johnson about the connection between domestic violence and gun violence. But today I want to talk to a representative from the 181st District. Uh, State Representative Malcolm because he has co-sponsored legislation uh, regarding lost and stolen guns. But he's also called on Governor Wolf to declare a disaster emergency in the state of Pennsylvania, which would trickle down to a state of emergency in Philadelphia. I believe we are in a state of emergency when it comes to gun violence here in the city and in the state of Pennsylvania. So I want to welcome back to the pastor's office the representative for the 181st District right here in Pennsylvania, the State Representative Malcolm Kenyatta. State Representative, welcome to the pastor's office, and Happy New Year to you, sir. Happy New Year, Pastor. And I would, I would also be remiss to, to not, uh,
2: you know, ask all your listeners. I know that you're praying all the all the time, but ask them to join you and, and me in praying for the families who, have, uh, who, are, who are just still— in in deep pain, unbearable pain, at the loss of 13 folks at the fire uh, in Fairmount. And so, um, you know, it is just something that I know we all watched in in horror. Um, And when you think about the the gun violence, which I know we're going to talk about today, and think about the loss of seven babies um, in a a fire, you know that we have work to do, not just on gun violence, but on affordable housing and a host of other issues.
1: You know what? And I want to thank you for sharing that. Uh, because uh, I actually uh on the on the day after the fire was scheduled to meet uh with the city controller uh but unfortunately, obviously they were well taken with this this situation and and I shared with he and his assistants whatever we can do in the church community uh to support this family to support that community in fairmount uh we want to do it That was the worst fire in over a century here in Philadelphia. Uh, and you're absolutely right. We have that whole, the whole family and the whole community uh, in prayer as a result of the, the loss of life and the devastation there. So thank you so much for bringing that up today.
2: And I appreciate
1: Let's talk a little bit about the legislation that you have co-sponsored uh, in the state legislature relative to lost and stolen guns. But before we even get to that piece of legislation, let's talk about the overall issue. What I'm concerned about, State Representative uh, um, Kenyatta, is that we can't get the legislature to move on any of the bills that have been passed that are going to save lives. What what what's even more interesting to me is that that the Republicans did uh, lead an effort to pass legislation that would allow for permitless carry in Pennsylvania. And I thank God Governor Wolf vetoed that bill, but, but it seems to me like their focus is off. And I don't understand why we can't get any of this life-saving legislation passed in Pennsylvania. Can you help us understand? You know what? It's, um, you know, it, is, it,
2: is, it is pure politics. It is pure politics of why we can't get this done, Rev. And you're 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 100% right. Um, I remember when we had that bill on the floor um, that would have allowed for permitless carry, and we know this is not Malcolm saying this, this is not you, Rev, saying this. We know when you look at the data, states that have permitless carry see increases in gun violence. I mean, it's really that simple. We have far too many weapons of war on our streets. And when you combine the level of despair and despondency as a result of the crippling deep poverty that we have not upended, and then you introduce in a number of easily accessible weapons, it is a recipe for the type of um, community by community, block by block, um, in personal disasters that people have had. You know, I have been to more funerals than I care to um, than I care to remember of folks who have been lost because of gun violence. We know that there are things that we can do that would make the likelihood that somebody is murdered or shot with a weapon make that likelihood severely reduced, and it hasn't been done. Ideas that are bipartisan ideas haven't been done. Ideas just about um, making sure just making sure that we don't get guns into the hands of people who we know are a threat and a danger to themselves or to others. Um, extreme risk protection orders. That is a bipartisan bill. We couldn't get a hearing on that bill. That type of approach of ignore the facts and pick the NRA at all costs has meant so much pain and so much unnecessary pain across Philadelphia but frankly, across the Commonwealth.
1: You know, the governor has called on the legislature to uh, work on, on legislation that would deal with safe storage measures, uh, mandating reporting of lost firearms, which we're gonna talk about, providing temporary removal of guns from people in crisis, which you just referenced, and closing the background check loophole. Uh, it just seems to me that the numbers speak for themselves. And, and, and again, it's, it's just unfortunate. Uh, that, that the Republicans in the state legislature have not moved on any of this legislation uh, uh, to save lives. One of the things that was, was interesting to me, State Representative Kenyatta, uh, was uh, that the governor has asked for us to look, or asked for the legislature, uh, to look at to creating legislation that deals with removing guns from people in crisis. Uh, that was interesting to me because How do you know someone is in crisis? And then how would you go about removing guns uh, from those households? Because one of the things that we did uh, talk with uh, City Councilman Kenyatta Johnson about uh, last week is that the The percentage or the possibility that death will occur from gun violence as a result of a domestic violence situation uh, Mm -hmm. or mental health situation is higher than almost any other situation that would spawn gun violence. Uh, I know I've spoken. I, I know the question's long, but help me figure this out, because how would we be able to intervene if that legislation was passed?
2: You know, one of the things that we know is right now we do know people that are, that are in crisis or folks that have, um, orders against them, protective orders against them. And right now it is not as easy as it should be to get those weapons, um, out of the hands of, of those individuals. And as I mentioned, that is a bipartisan piece of legislation. And let me also just, just say this. Every bill that the governor has said he wants to see passed and co-sponsors on all those legislations, including the prime co-sponsor um, on the Lawson-Stolen bill, which I know we'll talk about in a second here, these bills are overwhelmingly supported by a majority of Pennsylvania, every single one of them. I mean, there are certainly intensive, deep policy discussions that we need to have on any number of issues, but there's also just a basic common sense test. If somebody is a risk to themselves or others and people in the family know it and they report it to the police or somebody is 302 why should that person have ready access to a firearm? It doesn't make any sense. If you lose a gun or a gun is stolen, why should you not have to report that that gun is stolen? If you are going to be in possession of a weapon, having it locked away so we don't have what we've seen this, this last year where a number of kids were just playing around with a weapon and ended up hurting themselves or hurting others. These are all common sense basic principles that would save lives, that would save lives. And my hope is that we get back. We'll be back on Monday and. I understand what I've walked into with the Republican majority that has been really committed to not moving, but hope springs eternal. And my hope is that we go back next week and we start getting focused on things that can reduce the root causes of this persistent gun violence, but then also focus on things that we know can make sure less and less and fewer and fewer of these weapons are in the hands of folks that shouldn't have them and that want to use them um, in a malicious way.
1: Lost and stolen guns. You have submitted legislation to deal with lost and stolen guns. Uh, you just referenced that in your last answer. Why don't you tell us how your tell legislation us. would impact Pennsylvanians?
2: So one of the things that we, that we know is that when we look at all the gun homicides that we've seen uh, around the, the, the city in particular, We know that so many of those weapons, the person who fired the the, the weapon, was not the rightful owner of that weapon. And the question is really about basic accountability for people who want to be firearm owners. If your gun becomes lost and stolen, you having to report that to your local police department or your local sheriff um, and making sure that they know, that can go a long way dealing with what has been a real problem of straw purchasing and what straw purchasing is for folks who aren't super familiar with that this is a person who doesn't have a record that would impede them from purchasing a firearm going to purchase that weapon with the intent of then taking that weapon which they illegally purchased and then illegally giving that weapon over to another person i am certainly as everybody is i'm heartbroken when I hear stories of a 14-year-old or an 11-year-old or a 12-year-old shot and shot by somebody within their age cohort. But when a 14-year-old or a 16-year-old even gets their hands on a weapon, we know that it was an irresponsible adult that gave them that weapon. And that irresponsible adult needs to be held accountable, just like the person who ultimately pulls the trigger. And what our legislation would do, it would start at a summary offense, for folks who don't report lost or stolen weapons. But what I hope it also does, it creates more of a system of accountability where district attorneys and others who are prosecuting these crimes are able to more quickly get to the bottom of who has this weapon and whether or not that person um, is a part of a pattern and practice of having weapons that they buy at gun shows or other places, have those weapons turn up in the hands of somebody who shouldn't have them. And in addition to this legislation, um, we have gotten money put in the budget, uh, I believe in the the budget before last, um, that would give more resources to the attorney general's office to deal with, Uh, his straw purchasing task force that he has. And we have seen some success with that. We were able, um, particularly there was a big instance in Kensington where there were folks who were committed to going out and selling weapons on our streets, were able to hold those folks accountable to track them down and and to stop what they're doing. But when we see that so many of the gun homicides are executed with folks who have a weapon that was not theirs, then we have to start asking the question of how do we hold accountable the folks that buy these
1: weapons in the first place? You're listening to the Philly's favor, 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD three. Uh, we're here talking with state representative Malcolm Kenyatta uh, about the gun violence scourge that has gripped Philadelphia and gripped Pennsylvania. As he shared, he has provided and presented uh, legislation to deal with the lost and stolen issue uh, and the straw purchasing issue. But, but, but representative, uh, Kenyatta, you've asked the governor to declare a disaster emergency here in Pennsylvania. Right. Tell me how that would imp- how that would impact Pennsylvanians if the governor indeed went ahead with that declaration.
2: So I want to be very clear when I call for this disaster declaration. This is not just about us saying it's a problem and saying it in a different way. This has a measurable impact in terms of this crisis for a number of reasons, and we saw the governor do this around the opioid crisis. Calling for this disaster declaration, first of all, puts us in a position where I think we can take a more effective whole-of-government approach as it comes to this. Also, when the governor declares the disaster declaration, it allows us um, to be open to receive um, federal disaster uh, funds, as well as allow agencies to coordinate more effectively, to cut red tape, to push out resources um, or to deal with things that cities and municipalities may need in terms of making that process more streamlined. And there are a variety of different um, ways in which we need to have a more streamlined approach in in, in government, in terms of getting funds and resources, um, which we have done to to an extent, not as much as we would need to, to organizations on the ground that are disrupting um, cycles of violence before they occur, but then also treating this like the public health crisis that it is. And it is a public health crisis. And the same way we had an ongoing conversation about the opioid crisis, where you had secretaries of agencies working in a monthly, um, biweekly um, process giving updates to the highest levels of government about what we're doing and about what we need to do differently. We need to take that same approach we took to opioids. We need to take that approach to gun violence. Both of those are crises, and if the governor did it for opioids, which I'm glad that he that he did, we need to do it for this.
1: Well, State Representative Kenyatta, uh, I want to thank you for coming into the pastor's office, but most importantly. Uh, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing in this very important area. We've got to deal with this issue of guns. Uh, We've got to deal with it from an intervention level at the grassroots uh, level right there on the street, but we've also got to deal with it in the legislature. So I want you to know that not only are we praying for you and praying with you, but our job, and we talk about this issue on this show and other shows on the station all the time we're going to continue to ring this bell until something happens and and i'm a believer in faith uh and i know that faith works so we're, we're we have the faith that we're going to be able to impact this gun violence issue here in the city of, in the state of pennsylvania the city of philadelphia and in the country so sir thank you for the work you're doing and as i always thank say, you thank you so much Pastor. Here, if you need this platform we're always here for you just give us a call we got your back
2: Pastor, I just want to say quickly, thank you again for continuing to ring the drum and for using your platform to talk about this. I would just say all the folks that we've lost, these are real people who have families, who had loved ones, who will never be the same because of this crisis, who will never be the same. And so we need to make sure we keep those folks in prayer, even as we try to stop this moving forward.
1: Stay, Representative Malcolm Kenyatta, thank you, sir. We're here for you and we'll talk thank to you, you real friend. soon. Talk to you. Bye-bye. And we'll be right back here in the pastor's office after these commercial messages to talk to Ms. Janet Tosto of Babashi Hunger Relief. Welcome back to the pastor's office. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what food insecurity is? Do you know what food insecurity is? Do you know what food deserts are? One thing that I can tell you I've become acutely aware of uh, as a result of this pandemic is food insecurity and food deserts. Uh, if you don't know what they are, you're going to learn about them today. But before we introduce our guests, uh, I want to tell you that during this pandemic, it has broken my heart. Uh, when I see people who never thought that they would be in food lines come to my church in Frankfurt. Uh, when we bring in 18-wheel tra- 18-wheeler trailers full of food, tons of food. The line stretches all the way back to Frankfort Avenue. And if you've never been in this neighborhood, from Frankfort Avenue down to Folk Rod Street, uh, down to Takawana, uh, that's a long line of people. People who never thought they would need food. People who've always had. This pandemic has done a great deal to our families here in Philadelphia. But even aside from that, 16.3% of Philly households are considered food insecure. That means they don't have the, nutrition, the nutritional food in their house, healthy foods in their house, or they can't afford to get food. I wanted to talk about this with you today because we need to shine a light on this matter, this issue. And there's a great organization that's doing some work in Philadelphia to cure food insecurity, and I want to welcome their relief supervisor, their hunger relief supervisor, uh, Miss Janice Tosto, the hunger relief supervisor for Babashi. Ma'am, welcome in to the pastor's office.
3: Thank you so much again, Reverend Mason. It's really a pleasure to be speaking with you this afternoon.
1: So, so I gave an intro about food insecurity
3: and food deserts, but why don't you
1: just tell us before we really jump in? Tell us a little bit about
3: Babashi. Sure. So Babashi Transition to Hope is 36 years old, and our mission is to empower black and brown people um, to enhance the quality of their health and overall well-being. And we do this by uh, providing them with access to culturally sensitive and high-quality health care we offer uh, HIV-AIDS services, uh, we offer health education, and we offer social services, including our Food First Pantry.
1: So, so you take a holistic approach to dealing with uh, those in need, and, and you've been around for 36 years. Uh, I'm curious, where is your base of operation in Philadelphia? We want to let our listeners know.
3: Sure. We're located at uh, 1235 Spring Garden Street and we are easily accessible. Parking is a pain sometimes, but folks can get here. Um, they can take the 61 bus, they can take the 23, the 43 comes by, um, the, uh, the the Market Frankfurt line, not too far from us. Broad Street line, not too far for us from us. So we have uh, there's plenty of access to public transportation if folks don't want to drive out here.
1: So I tried to give a little bit of a definition of food insecurity and food deserts. Uh, Why don't you, uh, an expert in the field, tell our listeners a little bit more uh, about this issue of food insecurity here in the city of Philadelphia?
3: Absolutely. So the statistic that you quoted was the exact statistic that I saw from uh, Feeding America, uh, one of their reports. They are a partner with uh, Philabundance, which does uh, tremendous work in um, in the Philadelphia area to address um, t- to address hunger, and um, their report from 2018 stated that 16.3% of Philadelphia households are food insecure. And what that means is that when you're food insecure, that means that you don't have access when you need access to nutritious food for a, he- a healthy and active life.
1: And does that lack of access come as a result of poverty? Does it, be- does it come as a result of the fact that people are living in food deserts, uh, how do how do we drill down to figure out how that actually occurs? This food insecurity.
3: It's it's a combination of things. So not having enough money to purchase food, not having access to grocers and supermarkets in the area, not having transportation to get to supermarkets and grocers. So it's it's all of those things.
1: You know, we know it's been interesting to me, and I've become, as I said, acutely aware uh, of food insecurity during this pandemic. And uh, I made sure that our church that we pass, and Philly's Favor, have brought in, uh, we have a great partner, Blessings of Hope. And we've brought in uh, several of their trailers to provide food. But one thing that was, I guess, interesting to me and sad at the same time is how many people live in neighborhoods where that corner store is their supermarket.
3: Correct.
1: Uh, and, 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 when you, and when you walk into those corner stores, uh, and I walk in there uh, all the time to talk to the owners, that's not nutritious food.
3: Correct. Uh, and
1: as a matter of fact, in a lot of cases, that food has been sitting on the shelves for a long time. Right. Uh, but but I, I, I just never realized
3: how many neighborhoods depend on these quarter stores. That's what they're okay. eating. That 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 is absolutely correct. And not only do we have that issue, but the other issue that we have is a lot of our neighborhoods are saturated with unhealthy foods. A lot of fast foods.
1: Absolutely. Listen, the the, the in, in the neighborhood where I pastor, uh, there are at least three Chinese restaurants within walking distance. Uh, and then if you go up to the avenue, then you've got all of the other traditional fast food restaurants. so i'm just i'm sharing this and i'm digging into this i'm kind of parking on this because i really want our listeners to understand what food security is uh and how many philadelphians are dealing with it recently you just launched a community fridge uh to deal with this issue of food insecurity tell us what a community fridge is
3: Sure. So community fridges actually have a long history. From what I understand, they actually started in Europe, but they've been a thing in the United States for a while. It's just that people didn't know that they existed, we started hearing a lot about them here in Philadelphia, you know, when when the pandemic happened in in 2020. Now, I live in Germantown, so we actually got our first community fridge there. Um, So it was in 2020 when the community fridge in Germantown opened. Then the founder opened a second community fridge in Germantown. And so how the community fridges work is that um, you know, someone sets up a little refrigerator <laughs> on the sidewalk. It could be attached to a building, um, to a business, you know, a school or a business or you know, some organization, and uh, some refrigerators are plugged in, some are not. Um, and how it works is you have generous individuals who contribute food to the fridge, and um, the policy for the fridges is that you, you take what you need And you give what you can. So it's mutual aid in that neighbors contribute to see that other people eat. And then when they are in need, they're able to take from that fridge as well. So that's how that works. Now, how Babashi got started with our community fridge is so we already operate a pantry, our pantry runs Monday through Friday from 11 to 4. We also have um, another hunger relief program, our health enterprise zone pro- uh, project. So we do a lot of outreach to let folks know about our pantry, and we also run some uh, food, uh, food distribution programs in some local Philadelphia schools. During our outreach, uh, we went out to the Germantown Fridge, and uh, one of our team members, Sonia Carroll, said to the founder of the Germantown Fridge, hey, you know what, this is really great. I want to set one of these up in my community. So they had a conversation. Sonia did her research, and then she said, hey, you know what, we should put one in front of Babashi as well. And I said, oh, that's a great idea. She was able to find, I think someone donated a refrigerator. She drove up to Roxborough, picked up the fridge, brought it back, Um, It was assembled, you know, light assembly, and we actually had it out on the sidewalk by September. So we were actually, you know, filling the fridge with food and, uh, you know, allowing folks to come and and take food from the fridge since September. And then a volunteer group uh, became familiar with our services, and they reached out and they said, hey, we really like what you all are doing, and we'd like to support. So they came up with the idea of building a shed for our fridge, and then also helping us to, to paint it. So we were like, hey, yes, great idea. So they built the shed, came by, and, you know, put the fridge in a shed. And then about a week or so later, on a Saturday, they came out. They painted the fridge. This was December 4th. And then we had an unveiling for the newly painted fridge on December 17th.
1: I love this concept. I'm taking notes as I talk to you. Um, so, so let so let me let me just inquire of you. So, the fridge, the community fridge, is set outside of a building, as you said.
3: Yes. So, I guess yes. the
1: shed is put around it to provide security uh, during the hours when you're not open. Correct.
3: Correct. Well, our fridge, our fridge is accessible twenty four seven twenty four seven and we have it changed so <laughs> we have it changed so that no one walks away with it, but yeah, we have a shed you know to protect it from the elements, but folks can come to our fridge twenty four seven I will give you a perfect example. Our security associate just shared a touching story with me we had um, we had an issue with one of our alarms, so he came out to babashi. Two o'clock in the morning, I think this was a Saturday, two o'clock in the morning, so he drives out here, he saw a man with two children getting food from our fridge. So he walked over to the man and he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're, you know, taking advantage of our fridge, you know, I'm glad you're able to find something. And the man said, yeah, you know, I needed to, to find something so that I could feed these kids, you know, some breakfast tomorrow. So then the security associate also told him, hey, you know, we have a pantry. You can also take advantage of our pantry. But, you know, it was so good that he was able to be there, you know, to just reassure the man, oh, you know, there's no problem, glad you're here, glad mm-hmm. you're able to, you know, take the food. You know, the, the, the man said that, you know, he had the children with him, he didn't want to leave them home alone. But the three of them were out there, 2 o'clock in the morning, taking food out of our fridge. So when he told me that story, I, oh, my goodness, my heart was beating so fast. I said, wow, this is why we're doing this. 2 o'clock in the morning with two little kids getting
1: food wow. so they could eat the next day. Wow, wow. And 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 see, so the natural things that crop up in my mind when I think about something like that is, you know, one, how do we protect against vandalism? Because I, I want you to know something. You've given me a concept here that I'm actually thinking about now implementing uh, in the Frankfurt section of Philadelphia. I, I love the concept, but I'm, I'm thinking about vandalism. I'm thinking about people coming and taking everything out of the fridge.
3: I mean, yeah. how do you guard against those yeah. things? So our, our security associate, he is excellent because he has a view of the fridge. So he knows the regulars. And, and let me just say something about that. We get people from all backgrounds coming to our fridge you know people think you know when 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 we talk about hunger relief even though it disproportionately affects people of color trust and believe that there are other people who are experiencing hunger insecurity you know food insecurity as well we get folks from all backgrounds so he's always looking you know always monitoring if he sees someone out there taking way too much food he'll check them and he'll say listen listen Other people have to take advantage of this, too. So please, you know, be considerate. You know, take what you need. And we've also been very fortunate in that people, we've noticed an uptick in the number of people who are donating items to our fridge. Someone donated something like 12 boxes of of mashed potatoes. All you have to do is add some water, some milk. We've had people donating bottles of water and hand sanitizer, all kinds of good stuff. So... You know, we, we've definitely seen that generosity, but, yeah, we, 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 we have, you know, our security person, you know, checking to make sure that, you know, again, that people are only taking what they need because we're constantly out there replenishing the fridge. We put about anywhere from 100 to 150 pounds of food in that fridge every week, so there's plenty to go around.
1: I love the community replenishment concept. So you actually have members of the community that actually just come and just, do they just open up the refrigerator and put more food inside? Do they bring it into you? Tell us a little bit about how that works.
3: They do both. Sometimes they will leave a box out, you know, with a note, you know, this is for your fridge. Sometimes, you know, I like to check every morning. Sometimes I check the refrigerator, and there's stuff that's already donated. I mean, so it, it works both ways. People, you know, put stuff in the fridge, and then they, they'll come inside and donate, or they'll leave a box outside saying, you know, this is for the fridge.
1: This is community. This yes. really is community. And, and this is the way all of our communities should be. I, I really want to applaud this effort uh that that you are undertaking with the community fridge and then what i was surprised to find out is there's about 30 of them around the city of philadelphia yes yes so so how does one find out where these community fridges are located we know one is at babashi but how does how do we find out where the other locations are
3: now if i remember correctly i think um i know that the germantown community fridge they have a really active instagram page So I know that they also try to connect people to the fridges that are around town. And I guess you can also call, I guess it's 211 or 311 and just ask, you know, hey, where is my local community fridge? And I know also that, um, you know, newspapers, I know that they do a lot of stories on the community fridges too. I, th- I think I just saw something in Billy Penn, and they also had like a listing of uh, the community fridges. So between the media and just calling, um, you know, 211 or 311, I'm sure someone can get information about where the fridges are located.
1: Dennis Tosto, uh, Hunger Relief Supervisor for Babashi. I want to thank you so much for coming into the pastor's office today to talk to us about this. And listen, uh, don't you hang up because I want to talk to you a little bit more about this because we're going to do this in Frankfurt. I'm committing to that today. But thank you so much for your work. We're praying for you. We're praying with you. And if we can ever be a blessing to you, just give us a call. We thank you.
3: Thank you so much. Mm
0: -hmm. Political spiritual maybe some laughs While you are listening to Phyllis Favre Yeah